ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to These Go to Eleven. Once again, Greg Dutcher. Greg, say hello. Hello. And we have Steve Hartland joining us today. Steve, say hello. Hi, everybody. Now, Steve, uh, how are you healing up? Because you had your surgery, so just no wanna... brace, man. You guys always ask that. Don't, don't say no brace. If my physical <laughs> oh, therapist yeah, finds no, out, about dude. I am in trouble. Yes, man. We'll, so, we'll take that in a post edit. I just that's all right. I, I don't have to wear it anymore now. I had, I had surgery on my left tricep tendon to re, reattach it to the bone. So uh, I don't have to wear the brace if I'm sitting around the house if I'm yep. doing calm things. And I thought it'll be pretty calm with you two. Right. That was a mistake, wasn't? <laughs> yeah, it? I was gonna uh, say. So uh, I'm braceless tonight. There you it feels go. Feels great. Excellent, excellent. So tonight we are going to be talking about um, the Supreme Court's decision on was it Thursday or Friday? It was Thursday. I think wasn't it was it? Thursday. Yeah, yeah, Thursday to um, to legalize gay marriage in all fifty states, um, and that obviously uh, had a huge impact on I, I will say social media. Um, Hold I, on, dude. Did anybody on social media comment on that? I, you know, that, in the nation? <laughs> I don't think I saw anything on that. I, I think so, I saw one or two likes. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, and so obviously this has become a huge issue and it's it's gone from anywhere and everywhere from an extreme uh, rights position that, you know, we're, we're going to go to hell by tomorrow. Yeah. Um, and the extreme left's position by this is utopia and this is the best place we can be, um, and everywhere in between. Yeah. Um, and we, you know, just wouldn't be doing justice if we did not, you know, voice our opinion on social media. Yeah. So that's what, so that's what we're doing now. Um, so we actually, initially we were going to comment on, uh, patriotism in this podcast. Right. We were going to talk about some things concerning, um, Christian patriots and maybe taking some things too far, um. But, you know, just to give you a teaser, we are actually going to table that for next week. Mm-hmm. Um, and so today we do want to discuss that. And Greg, on Sunday, you gave a, um, an amazing sermon uh, about this topic. And so I want to give you a few minutes. Um, just tell us why you decided, because we're studying First Peter. Right. So you decided to put that on the table uh, just for a week and, and make a comment on what is socially and politically going on in America? And you actually don't do that right? Uh, uh, typically. So go ahead and just um, lay out some of your reasons for that and, and explain the sermon to us. And then we're going to give Steve some time to, to comment on that. Yeah. Thanks, Nathan. I mean, very kind words. It was a, um, it was a hard decision. I mean, I was coming back from a little short jaunt at the beach last week uh, with uh, my family and obviously, I think that's why I think it was Thursday when we were coming home. And, you know, Lisa's looking at her iPhone and saying, wow, you know, this thing just came through. And, you know, we said, let's check Facebook in an hour. And, and sure yeah. enough, I mean, it must have been thread after thread yeah. and looking at Twitter and just obviously knowing this was going to be a huge topic that not just Christians, but everybody was, was talking about. I guess it was in my mind at that point, I was set to preach on First Peter 3, mm-hmm. uh, had the passage all set, ready to go. And I, I wondered, I wonder if I should address this. I, and as you said, I don't normally do that. And we may have talked about this, uh, Steve, in the past. I, I, I generally don't think that the healthiest, steady preaching diet in a church is that of responsiveness. Yeah. That let me see what's going on this week and I'll Agreed. respond to it. You know, I, I generally think just the steady diet of preaching through books of the Bible and, and biblical themes is the healthiest way that a church grows over time. So, um, I have occasionally done it. I think the last time that I remember doing something like that was, ironically, after the 2012 election mm-hmm. uh, uh, when Obama was reelected and there was a similar response yeah. mm-hmm. on, yep. you know, from a number of Christians on social media. Um, and it, in some ways, the messages were pretty similar. That was also, ironically, in our state's history, the state of Maryland, where we all live and serve and um, you know, sort of put down our roots, uh, gay marriage – uh, was passed as a state referendum yeah. back in 2012. Yep. So this wasn't that new to us just three years later. Um, and I remember reading an article in, I don't remember where, Leadership, CT, on Spurgeon, that of the 1,000-plus ser- um, sermons Spurgeon preached, he gave maybe 10 or 12 what you would call timely cultural hmm. response sermons yeah. to what was happening in 19th century London in his day. And there was a debate between these two Spurgeon scholars. The one said, yeah, he did that. 
They are, however, his least memorable sermon. <laughs> least quoted. <laughs> yeah. And I, I thought, yeah, I mean, wh- we bring up Spurgeon sermons or other great luminaries from the past because of their great teaching on books of the Bible. And the other scholar made a good point, though, and I remember this reading a year or two ago. But we can ask, were the people that lived in London in 1867 uh, helped yeah. by that sermon at that time? Probably yeah. So, yeah, and and so I started thinking. Yeah, I don't. There's no right or wrong answer. We talked, Steve, tonight. Like you did not preach on it Sunday. You you stayed the course with what you had said, yep. mm-hmm. uh, which I was very close to doing. Um, and I just decided because there was so much, maybe this is a, a rare opportunity. I'll deviate from the standard sermon I had uh, prepped. Yeah. So that's the background of it, and my basic approach, uh, you know, was to. First, deal with the issue. Let's deal with the issue, not so much as gay marriage, but homosexuality mm-hmm. in general. And I maintained at the start for maybe eight or ten minutes, you don't really need to be a rocket scientist. You don't need to be a <laughs> Ph.D. scholar to, to see with even – we looked at two passages. We looked at one in uh, in Romans 1, mm-hmm. uh, and we looked at the other in First Timothy 1, mm-hmm. where uh, homosexuality is mentioned in, in pretty direct, straightforward terms as displeasing to God. Yeah. And I said, I think – a a, a person that's been a Christian for five minutes or 50 years can read these texts and see the plain meaning of them pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, I mentioned at that point that uh, I actually have, have come to have more respect for guys, it sounds ironic, like Bill Maher, mm-hmm. uh, who's a social commentator. He's no real friend to evangelical Christianity right. or religion in general. Because he looks at those passages and says, this is what they teach. I don't like it. Right. Mm-hmm. That's why I have no use for religion, Christianity in particular. Yep. Uh, I said, I, I actually find that a little more helpful in engaging with people than if we try to come at the Bible and say, well, it doesn't mean what it appears to mean. Yeah. And I said, if the preacher is putting himself through interpretive contortions and gymnastics, it's probably because he is trying to bring something in the text that isn't naturally there. Yeah. Yep. But the bulk of the message after I dealt with that issue was on the church's role. So I kind of reviewed where we've been in First Peter, sure. which is that nothing's changed yeah. uh, for the mission of the church. And one thing I, I did not say, but I'll say here on this podcast, was, I mean, Roe v. Wade, was that 1973? I'm asking Steve, admitting he's a scotch older than I am. It was yeah. early 70s, right, Steve? Yeah, but... Uh... Don't ask me. Okay, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I want to say 73, but I'm not yeah. sure. It was. I know it's generally been with us for about 40 years. Yeah. Uh, now, I almost wish there was social media back then so you could see what was the tone of the church yeah. when that was passed, and I'm sure there was much reaction to it. I was three or so at the time, so I, I don't <laughs> have any memory of it. Um, but we've been living with that yep. for 40 years, and the church is continuing by the grace of God to fulfill its mission, yeah. Yeah. that we still are free to preach the gospel. We are yeah. still free to one-on-one conversations, engage with people, yeah. lost people, share with them the love of Christ, to try to keep that focus, yeah. to not get too apocalyptic, in other words. Yeah. That, oh, my word! Things are over and done. Yep. Um, but to stay the course, to keep steady with the gospel, living it out among people, sharing it with our friends and loved ones and co-workers. The last... Uh, Point I came back to, I'll say very quickly because I'm taking too long here. Didn't mean to repreach <laughs> no, the sermon. Good. Okay, good, yeah. good. Steve, that, good. that makes me feel better. Do it. Um, was a thought on how to engage uh, people coming out of the homosexual community. They're still very entrenched in it. How do we engage them with the gospel? Yeah. And I shared a story of a young man I talked with two summers ago, mm-hmm. right, right here in this office where we're podcasting now, hmm. who uh, was a young Christian guy. Um, I'm going to call him John. Obviously, mm-hmm. it wasn't his name. But uh, this young man, John, who uh, was engaged to just beautiful, sweet Christian girl, um, kid had a Christian education. He was sharp, athletic, good looking, and broke off the engagement because he could no longer deny uh, mm. the same sex attraction mm-hmm. battle mm-hmm. that he had been experiencing most of his yeah. lifetime. And obviously, it's a very involved story. But the thing that stood out to me is I said to him, John, um, have you shared this uh, with anybody in your church? Uh, here's a young 20-something kid, and he, he said, Pastor Greg, the, the last place I feel like I could ever talk about this was in the church. Yeah. And uh, that I couldn't think of anything more heartbreaking, hmm. uh, that the church would be, in his mind, the last place 
Mm. He could share this struggle. The place that's supposed to be the safest place on the planet, forgiveness, grace, mercy. Uh, And so I tried to appeal to our church, how can we think about engaging people? And while remaining biblically faithful, yes, we do think homosexuality is uh, condemned in Scripture uh, quite clearly. Uh, so I focused on uh, Hebrews thirteen four that talks about keeping the marriage bed pure, sort of as a metaphor for all of the Bible's teaching on God's sexual ideal, that sex is a gift given to the human race. Uh, it wasn't just for procreation, obviously. Right. It's, it's the most pleasurable experience uh, in the world, and you know, I'll just say that for now, lest we... <laughs> yes, <laughs> I, I will say Steve's giving me a double thumbs up. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we might take that out too. But obviously it is... And it's so precious, it's so sacred, God put it in a special place, in yeah. a castle. Uh, that castle in the Bible is called marriage. One Great woman. Term, castle. One man. I love that because there's a moat, there's a wall. This is so yeah. special. It's not just loosely given for people to kind of flimsily you know, do with it what they will. Uh, and so that in engaging somebody that is either struggling with same-sex attraction, is very entrenched in that lifestyle mm-hmm. and says, this is where I am, that we can say, no, no, we're not isolating you. We're, we're not saying the Bible's isolating you as a special class of sinner. Yeah. That the ideal that is in Scripture, God's quite clear on, is one man, one woman, together in marriage for life. So anything outside of that, even had a little graphic that I showed in the yeah. sermon, uh, premarital sex, yeah. adultery, or extramarital sex, as it's called, or even the, the, the toughs of bestiality, right. um, you know, pornography, rape, these things that we would call sexual sins, all of this is outside of that castle. Yeah. So that, yeah, you, you're manifesting that in this way as other people are. And I said it bothers me when I talk to committed Christian parents who sometimes say, well, yeah, my adult son, he's living with his girlfriend, but, you know, at least he's not gay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, as if <laughs> God's not quite as down on yeah. that yeah. as he would be if he were gay. Mm. And I said, is the church failing in the way we're trying to winsomely engage people across the spectrum. Yeah. So that was my, what it was intended to be two minute, probably nine minute summary of the message. I'll stop talking the rest of the podcast. <laughs> now no, I'm going to no. listen to it. Yeah. Okay. I, I already wanted to listen to it. Now I really want to yeah. listen to it. Okay, dude. In well, fact, maybe I'll preach it at our church next Sunday. <laughs> there you go, dude. Uh-huh. Hey, m- make it better, would yeah. you? I'll just you know, change the illustration. Yes, yes. Uh-huh. And you, that would help. It needed a little more structure. <laughs> no, that was um, that was excellent. Thank you, Greg. Um, we, you know, we needed that time for the recap um, because that's essentially what we're basing this whole podcast off of. Um, so Steve, I want to just give you some time here to, to go ahead and comment, give, give some thoughts. And, um, you know, I know you didn't preach this, but I also know that you gave some thought to the fact that you might. And sure. so what are some things that you would have said to your congregation? Well, I would have started where you did. Mm-hmm. And I want to start there now because some of the people at our, my church are going to listen to this. Right, and, right. And uh, that is, you know, I want to affirm that I believe what scripture says, Romans 1, other passages that uh, God's plan is one man, one woman, united in matrimony for life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anything outside of that is not God's plan and does not meet with his favor. So um, things I'm going to say might lead somebody to send me a long letter ah. with, with all the scripture references in the Bible <laughs> yeah. about homosexuality. And I already have found those in my own Bible. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I embrace them and I believe them. Yes. Uh, so I want to make that very, very clear, and I'll spare somebody. You do not need to compose that letter for me tonight. <laughs> right. Um, but uh, you know, I've, I've been watching Christians react to uh, political issues. This is a political issue. Mm-hmm. I've been watching Christians react to those in America for a long time now. Mm. And uh, this, to me, this is just more of the same, more of the same reaction, the doom and gloom, the, oh, my, yeah. we're finished. Uh, God's just going to pour out judgment on us now, and uh, you know it's over for America. People who are so, I'm so upset to see what they're doing to our country, mm-hmm. our country. Yeah. I'm so upset. Yeah. To, um, and and I want to say, you know, I maybe you think there's something wrong with me, but I'm really not upset at all. Yeah, I'm not upset at all. God is still on the throne. Jesus yeah. is still King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Amen. All authority in heaven and earth is given unto Him. The gospel is being preached. It's going to keep on being preached, and. I don't identify, and you shouldn't identify, none of us should identify America with the kingdom of God. Yeah. The, the, uh, the well-being of the kingdom of God does not correlate with the well-being of America, with mm-hmm. American laws and American political issues. So 
uh, this doesn't hurt us. It could hurt us in some ways. It could lead to future persecution, but uh-huh. that tends to help us. Right. Right. <laughs> right. So this doesn't hurt us in any way that I can figure out. Yeah. Uh, and I don't want to confuse America with, with God's kingdom. Things are great in God's kingdom. Yeah. Uh, things in America, I've always been a mess. Yeah. And yeah. this is just another mess, and there have always been messes. But but furthermore, here's one of the things I've really been thinking about, and, and maybe this will be interesting. I don't yeah. know what you guys will think of this. And if I get in trouble and never get invited back, I'll, I'll be sorry. Bro, can I say, Steve, I, I, want you, I want you to say something really flamboyantly controversial. <laughs> so I, say, I don't know what's going on with Steve. Man. Yeah, right. Please do that. Take you some of the just, heat off. You could dismiss me right. at that moment. No, no, we're <laughs> keeping you, it. brother. We yeah. do not need to hear anymore. So uh, I, I, I've thought about this a lot, and um, I'm going to say it in a way that – I could say it in a way that's very controversial. I'll say it in a way that's less controversial. I don't think we should be really upset by this mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, because have you considered that there are a lot of similar issues in America? There are a lot of similar matters that are legal in America. For example, um, do we allow Mormons to practice Mormonism? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <gasps> we do. Mm-hmm. We mm-hmm. do. That's a false religion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It leads people away from Christ into a godless, Christless eternity and we allow, it's legal. Yeah. To do, why is nobody all upset about that? Why is there not a movement to stop Mormonism? Interesting. And, oh, no. And you could add you know, to that Jehovah's Witnesses, mm-hmm. any yeah. other false religion you want. Why are these things legal? Why is Zen Buddhism legal Interesting. in, in America? And are, why are we not all aghast about that? Um, and I think the answer is because we're used to it. Right. Religious freedom, religious liberty was established as an American value a long time ago. Yeah. It's born and bred in us now, so we're all absolutely fine with that. We don't even think about that. Sure, you know, they have religious liberty. Sure, Mormons can be here. But if today, if the Supreme Court had just said, we're going to allow other religions. Right. Christianity will no longer be the only religion. We are now going to allow Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses and Zen Buddhists to freely practice We'd have a media storm, right? We'd yeah, have, wow. Facebook would be lighting up. Oh, no, it's the end of our nation, and it's doom and gloom and so on. Well, hmm. no, it isn't. Actually, we've allowed other religions for a long, long time. So it's a political question. What kind of nation do we have? What kind of freedoms can we allow to people with whom we do not agree? Yeah. We already allow a lot of freedoms to people with whom we do not agree on things like religion. Or, uh, to come a little closer to some people's home, um, we're talking about human sexuality and marriage and what is marriage and so on. How about the issue of divorce? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, Scripture is fairly tight about divorce, <laughs> right? You can yeah. divorce for immorality. Mm-hmm. You can divorce for a non-Christian leaving a Christian. Mm-hmm. And that's that's about the end of the list right there. Am I yeah. right? Is there yeah. Any, okay. So divorce is allowed in, in America for all kinds of, for any reason. Sure. Yeah. Right? And there are lots of people in all of our churches who have been divorced for less than biblical reasons. Yeah. Why are we not aghast at that? Yeah. Why are we not saying, oh, this strikes at the heart of the family and this is doom and gloom for America and God's going to send judge. We're used to it. Yeah. We're just used to it. It's been around a long time. It was accepted long ago. If somebody, if the Supreme Court had just ruled, hey, we're going to change divorce law and now we're going to allow divorce for less than biblical reasons, Mm -hmm. there'd be this uproar that people would be, oh, no, it's terrible and so on. So... All right, now the Supreme Court said we're going to mandate that there is gay marriage in in every state, mm-hmm. which, by the way, I am not a legal scholar. That's pretty obvious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but my own little beanie opinion is yeah. uh, that's a reach for the Supreme Court. This right. is not a constitutional issue. Right. So I think they erred in doing this. They should have stayed out and said that's a state's issue. That's the way I would like to see right. it. Yeah. And each state gets to decide by their elected representatives what's going to happen in this state right. or by a referendums or whatever. Sure, uh, sure. Yeah. Uh, so I wish it had gone that way, but it didn't. Yeah. So uh, the Supreme Court made this ruling, and uh, I'm not I'm not deeply troubled by it. We're going to go on preaching the gospel, yeah. yeah, spreading the kingdom, building the church, and I'm optimistic about the gospel. In fact, here's another way. Am I talking too long? No, this yeah. is great, right. Steve. Uh, another way I'm thinking about this is goodness, goodness, goodness. What was the most prosperous time for Christianity ever on the planet? Yeah. I guess we could debate that, but it's probably the apostolic era. Yeah, yeah right? I'd say the first. Yeah, the first century. Mm-hmm. The first, yeah, first hundred years, years was yeah, the best. Yeah, it really was. What were the conditions then? Yes. Yeah. You know, what were the what were the conditions of morality and sexuality in the church? You had guys who showed up with their five wives. Right. Yeah. All right. How did the church deal with that? It's interesting. None of the epistles directly address that. It says to right. be an elder, you got to be a one woman man. Right. With all that that means. 
But it never says, here's how we dealt with the polygamists who showed up in our services in Rome. <laughs> right. Wish they had. I know. Wish I they'd know. written about that. Yeah. But they had to deal with that. How about the political leaders of those days? Everybody had his wife and his girlfriends and his little boy boyfriends. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that was just very, very common. And uh, Paul doesn't even write, like in Romans somewhere, oh, no, this is horrible. We're all going to go down to the pit because our, le- our leaders, our non-elected leaders, have boyfriends. Right. Right. Um, it was just the way the world was. And yet the gospel spread in those days and the church prospered in those days better than any, any, any time since. Yeah. Yeah. So we shouldn't be all disheartened and doom and gloom and, oh, no, this is just terrible. Well, it's bad for America. It's not bad for the kingdom. Right. Yeah. It's not bad for the gospel. Right. You know, the word of yeah. God is not, the gospel is not chained. The word of God is not chained. Yeah. It's going to go on. Yeah. Amen, Steve. So those are some of my yeah. No, I, comfort I, me. I, I think I saw you, Nathan, when, when uh, Steve was sharing. I, I think that it's a great angle, Steve. The yeah. had just for whatever reason had until last Thursday, Christianity had been the only lawful religion in the United yeah. States. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden they pass. No, we're going to allow the others. You're right. I never yeah, thought of that. Imagine uh, the yeah. outcry yeah. about how we're going to go to hell in a handbasket. Yeah. Oh, this is the end. Never yeah. quite knew why a handbasket is the vehicle to go to hell, but that yeah. seems to be the expression yeah. of the day. I don't even know what a handbasket is. <laughs> no, I mean, uh, yeah, I'd rather is that go like in the a... one you got Easter eggs in when you were a kid. Or what, I don't know what that is. I'd rather go in a Corvette or something like that. I mean, a, yeah, a handbasket. Um, but yeah, Steve, I think that point you made is is so spot on and i i I mean yeah there are challenges now at home i mean and we in maryland had these challenges before thursday Mm -hmm. since in 2012 uh, gay marriage was a referendum that ironically our state voted for yeah uh that wasn't a case of what we call judicial activism in maryland at least right in other places it has been our state did it Uh, our state did it which to me is a reflection of where people are in their hearts and their Mm -hmm. understanding of uh, the Bible or lack of uh, understanding, et cetera. Um, so the challenge has been there for us already to think, you know, I've got young kids and, um, you know, mm-hmm. I do think uh, I've had a few conversations with my 12 year old, mm-hmm. you know, dad, why would a girl want to marry another girl or a boy where uh, marry another boy? I will say this. I'm not dooming and gloomy about those conversations. It furnishes an incredible opportunity yes. to talk to our kids about first and foremost, love. Yeah. You know, uh, Ben, let's make sure that uh, these these people, that we love them, that we value them, mm-hmm. we listen, we engage them, we talk to them. They're not uh, lepers yeah. that are to be shunned. Yeah. It also provides an opportunity to talk about uh, this is what God says, so we would disagree. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, there are opportunities for parents. I'm not saying they're easy. But yeah. where we ever got the idea that Christianity should make life easy uh, <laughs> is a whole other podcast subject yeah. for uh, another time. Or that we're supposed to own America. Right, 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 yeah, right, which right. is uh, another which, podcast. Yes, yes, which we've hit it a lot. And you have. Next yeah. week yeah. we'll we'll talk about more. Yeah. Um, it's freeing. It's just freeing to say, good okay, word. we can just keep yeah, keep following word. Christ, keep following Him, and uh, and and pursuing what He's called us to do. Uh, and, uh, I was talking to Mark, uh, Sweeney, our, uh, uh, executive pastor today. He said he was at a gospel coalition event a few years ago and there was another pastor that he was sitting next to in Dubai. Uh, I mean, who f- was from Dubai The conference wasn't in Dubai. And uh, Mark said that some big wigs like DA Carson and Tim Keller, that were talking and this was in their planning event for the next conference and they were sort of on the outer wing with the privilege to eavesdrop on these great, you know, thinkers and stuff. And they were talking about whether uh, same-sex marriage would one day be legalized, which now we know it, uh, <laughs> in essence, has been. Boom. And this pastor from Dubai leaned over to Mark and kind of whispered to him and said, I, I think the church is going to be okay. Ah, and it's interesting where, good, where, huh? where he's ministering uh-huh. yeah. and the issues that he's facing and that he huh. is challenged with that – he was sort of taking away the reactionary apocalyptic feeling yeah. that yeah. we in America have sometimes that the church has always, as you said, Steve flourished yeah. under adverse circumstances mm-hmm. where the culture does not line up with our values. Yeah. So, yep. yeah, no. And I think, I think that's a great point. Um, several things. I mean, th- I think first and foremost, um, kind of tying the political thing, if we were to truly understand what it means to be, uh, an American citizen in granting people rights and freedoms, 
I, I don't think there's an issue reconciling this. Now, yes. S- yes. speaking from a biblical perspective, yes. yes, I do think that I have trouble reconciling this yes. right. from a biblical perspective. But from the perspective of an American citizen who wants to ensure that everyone has freedoms and rights, this really isn't an issue. Right. right. This really isn't an issue. Um, yeah. And so, and again, Greg, we're, I'm, I'm trying not to jump ahead to next week. I know, week it's hard not so to, much to You say. are way more courageous than um, me, because that's what I wanted to say, but didn't. <laughs> hey, as long as you guys are the lightning rods. W- would you scratch that from the recording? <laughs> yeah. I would like to say <laughs> Nathan to. Bell said that. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I did not. All letters go to Nathan. Uh, that's, that's right. right. Uh, <laughs> no, but but again, like I I think there comes a point where... And that's as, a political question, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, and I, I agree. Not I think there comes question. a point yeah. where we have to we have to say you know how political am i going to be right you know as a believer how political am i going to be now if i were to get involved in politics and and i think this is where i've come to draw the line in in, in my own life in a lot of issues and you guys can agree or disagree with this um, in a couple minutes here but in my own life if i were an elected an elected representative i think of william wilberforce who mm-hmm. basically almost single-handedly took out slavery in England. Yeah, incredible. Um, you know, if that were my role and position, I would have a different view sure. as a believer yes. of what I'm trying to fight for. You'd have a mission. Exactly. But as a citizen, my my role is to look and, and vote in people that I believe hold the values that I hold to. Yeah. We don't have those people in office. Right, right. They're, they're not there. Our, our Demo- democratic process has worked. We don't have those people there, and so therefore they're voting what the people want, yeah. and this is what the people want. Yeah. And so as if we're going to get political about this, this is politically what has happened. Um, and so it doesn't change what we do as believers like you guys have been saying. We preach the gospel, and we preach the gospel in love. And, you know, Greg, you had talked about the idea of um, how do we practically engage this mm-hmm. with with homosexuals. Right. And and my question would be, would it be so wrong if a homosexual were to be like, you know, I I, I just I have this hang up with Christianity and homosexuality. Would it be so wrong to say, can we table that hang up for a second mm. and say, can we look at Jesus Christ? Yeah. Can we focus on him as a person and what he says and and forget about homosexuality as a discussion? And if we can get people talking about Jesus Christ and who he was and get him to change their life, can't we also believe biblically that that the Holy Spirit will convict them and change their minds Mm -hmm. in his time? Million dollar question, Nathan. Uh, Great, great question. It really ties into what I – a friend of mine from seminary always calls the irreducible minimum. What is the irreducible minimum Mm -hmm. when we engage – people with a gospel that they need to embrace, understand. Like one example would be this. Uh, there's a, uh, this is a safe example. Guy has a bunch of um, thrash metal music with satanic lyrics, etc. Mm-hmm. Does he need to initially agree to throw all of those things out and burn them in a fire in order to become a Christian. I think most most Christians, no matter what your story, but well, no, no. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, that that can come in time, etc. Um, we need to bring that person to the claims of Christ. What Christ says about Himself, what Christ says about His authority, what Christ says about His salvation, His forgiveness, etc. Um, it's a complex question. I would say this, Nathan. If if the Bible's teaching on homosexuality becomes the roadblock for the skeptic. Mm-hmm. I just can't see anything but that thing. I can't consider the claims of Christ because I know that the Bible says such and such about right. my or lifestyle. He's counting the cost. If I'm going to consider right. Christ, where yeah. is this going to go next Exactly. Week? Where yeah. is this going to take me? Uh, it, it leads to some interesting things. I, then I would be very quick to obviously address the issue, right. talk about the issue, as I mentioned just a few moments ago, and sort of talk about God's ideal, his standard, what he what pleases him, what doesn't please him. Those are important conversations, yeah. as you said, Steve, in the considering the cost aspect. Uh, I'm fully convinced that no brand new baby Christian has a full understanding of all the implications of Christ's lordship at the moment of their salvation. Yeah, yeah, there are lots of other issues that somebody could raise. Oh. And we want to say to those people, 
Why don't you table that for now? Yes. Let's talk about Christ. Let's talk about Christ. We'll come back to yeah. that issue later. Yeah. We'll, we'll get to that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So the question how homosexuality fits in this, I, I mean, I guess if you pin me down, I would say if the person is truly regenerated, yeah. truly comes to see Christ as all-sufficient and glorious, I want him, I must have him, yes, I, I, I can see a genuine, brand-new baby Christian that uh, is still in a partnership or a mm-hmm. marriage with his lover, his mm-hmm. gay lover, etc. Um, then the question becomes in the process of Christian discipleship, mm-hmm. yeah. how that comes through. What do I do here? And again, how many times have I mentioned the thief on the cross? Yeah. I mean, the thief on the cross, what was his understanding of homosexuality? What was his understanding of the Trinity or the continuity yeah. of the covenants, yes. uh, Old Testament, New Testament? But of all people, we know... That I don't he's think in he even knew who the Nephilim, Nephilim were. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I had to throw them in again. That's good, yeah. I'm not even sure. <laughs> Can you me. go to heaven if you don't know who the yeah, Nephilim were? I mean, were they angels? Yeah. Were they giants? Uh-huh. You know, what, what were they? Uh, that's a great quote. <laughs> you know, I mean, there's this sense of which, the, you know, I, I've talked to some people who say, well, that guy can't be a Christian because he's gay. I would say... Well, what do you mean? I, yeah. I think he can yeah. be. I mean, you could say, well, I can't be a Christian because today I raised my voice to my kids because yeah. I was irritable about other things. Yeah. I can't be a Christian because I got divorced for the wrong reasons. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Great, great example. So I think um, the, the goal is to get the person to consider the person of Jesus, yeah. who Christ is, that they would acknowledge they're a sinner. Now, the implications of, right. of that are manifold. Right. You know, Christ is going to show you the rest of your life things that are not pleasing to him, pride, arrogance, lust, greed. Um, and that, that obviously ties into our sexual behavior too. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I would say there's a man who's married to a, a woman for 20 years, comes to know Christ. Does he necessarily go home that night and is completely free of a pornography addiction? No. Uh, I mean, Steve, I'm sure he you've counseled for years, a yeah. number of men that yep. that know the Lord and have been battling this for decades. Yeah, You can't be a pastor without counseling. I, I was going to yeah. say, yeah, you can't be a pastor for a month yeah. uh, or five minutes without talking to somebody that's battling this issue. Yeah. So, uh, all right, I'm going to stop talking and hear what you guys have to say. Good Steve. stuff. Oh. Um. I would probably take it in a new direction. Maybe you don't mm-hmm. want to go there yet. Do you want to stay on that? No, go for it. Uh, is it too early to talk about, so how do we relate to friends and family? No, not yeah, at all. Okay, yeah, that's good. That's Let's good. do it. Inclination. So uh, I, I've been very disappointed in how some of my Christian friends relate or don't relate or can't relate or refuse to relate to gay friends or gay yeah. associates or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I don't get it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't get it. Every one of us is a creature made in the image of God. Yeah. Every one of us has fallen. Every one of us needs grace, and but for grace, there go I. Right. Um, I don't get it. Why Why can't we all deeply, deeply love and befriend and, you know, yeah. shake it up with friends who are gay? Yeah. All of us have friends who are gay. All yeah. of us have family members, probably. Yes. I have family members who are gay. Yeah. Uh-huh. You guys have family members? Yep, I do. Somewhere, somewhere, yeah. yeah. It's hard to meet somebody who probably doesn't have a family member who's, who's gay. Yeah. Um, so you know, can we not embrace those people, love them? Um, and and here, here's what I've done. See, I, when I meet somebody who's gay or I'm in some group and when we figure out, oh, that guy's gay, mm-hmm. uh, like uh, – uh, maybe I shouldn't go to any specific. <laughs> I'm, I'm in this group of people. We uh-huh. do some sports things together, uh-huh. and uh, that guy's gay. I make it a point. I spend time with him. Uh-huh. When we stop for for food or or to buy some drink, I say, "How about you? You getting you getting that? I'll buy you yours today." Yeah, yeah. And and I make it really visible so other people. I'm blowing their conceptions of what an evangelical pastor is. Yeah, because mm-hmm. they're thinking I'm hateful. I'm you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I want to blow that up for them, and I want to be the guy who really loves that. Yeah. New person, yeah, and and I'll ride up along beside that guy, you know. Oh, there, I just gave it away. And, <laughs> <laughs> oopsie, and, yeah. and make sure I'm, just, you know, I'm, I'm talking with them because, and it's genuine. I'm not trying to put on a stunt. I love that guy. Yeah. yeah, I enjoy them when they have a thing at their house. I go to their house. I go to their thing because they're another creature like me, created in the image of God, fallen and much in need of Jesus, and I want them to know Jesus. And they're not going to know Jesus by me just staying far, far away and saying, you know, you're this, you're that, you're the other. Yeah. So um, 
I don't get what's wrong with some of my Christian friends. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it deeply troubles me. Now, Steve, to uh, to kind of stay on this line, because, uh, Greg, we had Steve Altrogi on months ago now, yeah, I guess. about two months ago. Yeah, um, and we, we talked about the idea of baking a wedding cake, you know, for a homosexual oh, couple. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, and, and on that, we, we actually never dove into what we can do today, I feel like, but um, attending a, a homosexual wedding. Mm. You know, you have a, a friend uh, or a family member. Uh, who invites you to a homosexual wedding? Yeah. Um, just your your guys' thoughts and takes oh, on. Man. You really are trying to get me in trouble. <laughs> yeah, right? Wow! Well, uh, wow! Here, I'll, I'll go ahead and go first go because I yeah. yeah. Sure. You guys, I, I, I have out. no problem. I'll go yeah, first. I'll, yeah. I'll take the heat on this one yeah, uh, this time. And, and to me, I don't feel like it's an issue. Uh-huh. And, and here's why: because first and foremost, we've talked um, at length, particularly with you, Steve, on who defines marriage, hmm. and that's God. And so clearly what's going on is not a marriage. Sure. Second of all, if, if someone is inviting me to their wedding, hopefully they know me well enough to know my views. Uh-huh. That as a believer, they understand that, you know what, okay, he doesn't agree with me, but you know what, I, I like this guy. Yes, that's what I want. I, right, I like this here. guy and, and I want him there. Yeah. And, yes. and if there's that type of a relationship, I, I would feel no, no guilt, no um, issue with my conscience and saying, you know what, you already know that I don't agree with it, but you also know that I love you. Right. That's and exactly I want where to, I want to be and what I want to say. Yeah. Yes. And, and, and so, you know what, I want to come and I want to show you that I love you, even though, you know, I don't agree with you. Yeah. Right. See that that's important. I have said to friends who are gay, you, you know, I'm an evangelical Christian and mm-hmm. an evangelical pastor. Mm-hmm. So you know what my position is on this, yeah. this whole thing. Right. But, but, but you know, I'm your friend. Yeah. Right. Right. I really like you. I really love you. I like being with you. Uh, and you can even ask them: Does this create any problems for you? Is this, <laughs> does this does, conf- does this confuse you? Because I'm not what you expect to be to be. Yeah. Um, but now, whether you go to their wedding mm-hmm. is a, is a thing that Christians will really differ on. Yeah. And I think because there's no passage in Scripture that says you should go to their wedding or you right. should not go to their wedding. Mm-hmm. We need to give each other some space. I agree. Mm-hmm. We need to give each other some grace. Yeah. And one person might say, you know, for me, I, I just can't do that. Another person might say, I can do that. And let's not throw rocks at each other. Mm-hmm. I would say it's a Romans 14 issue, receive one another, but not to disputes about doubtful issues. Right. Yeah. And what's a doubtful issue? Scripture doesn't speak to it. Right. Scripture doesn't say go to their wedding or don't go to their wedding. Yeah. So I'd like a Romans 14 mentality on that. Yeah. Yeah. I think right. that's, that's a good answer. Um, yeah, Nathan, I, I've talked about this a lot uh, with our friends uh, Matt Smith, who's been a regular on here, and his wife Tracy. We've been out uh, to dinner as couples before, and we've talked about this very issue. Mm-hmm. It's theoretical at the moment. It hasn't happened to either of us, although it, it could uh, with both of us. Yeah. Uh, wow. We both know some people that uh, may get married that, mm-hmm. that are gay. Um, so we've discussed this issue from the standpoint of what do you do. I will say this. I had an member of my extended family, mm-hmm. this might be a comparable example, who uh, years ago uh, was moving in with his fiance mm-hmm. uh, at her town home. He was, uh, you know, ended the lease on his apartment, moved in to um, her town home, called me uh, because, did not call me initially, mm-hmm. I think out of respect for me, knowing probably where I stood on people living together before they got married. But he was in a pinch. One of his buddies got sick mm-hmm. uh, the night before the move, and he was in a real pinch and said, Greg, hey, listen, uh, any chance you could help me tomorrow? And, um, you know, basically move in, you know, move in a bed and dresser <laughs> and all those things. Wow. I did it mm-hmm. uh, because this is what my main goal. I understand Christians that would say I couldn't do it in good conscience. I wanted this person to know that I loved him yeah, and that I cared about him. And he asked me for help. Mm-hmm. There's a very human need to ask for help. Yeah. And I I don't believe that being in the presence of people sinning mm-hmm. means that I'm sinning. I don't right. believe even if I'm helping move a dresser that somebody's – the same way when I hire a plumber to fix a leaky toilet. Mm-hmm. And if he uses that money that I pay him, the $200 to go to a strip club or – you know, I, I paid for a service. The, the service mm-hmm. itself had value. Uh, and what that person chooses to do, I can't. I move a dresser. I move a bed. Uh, I understand Christians. Yes. I, 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 I couldn't do that because mm-hmm. of my conscience. I feel that I'm aiding and abetting them in their sin. I would say, okay, I hear you on that. I do think 
Christians should not violate their conscience if their conscience is really screaming at them. I, mm-hmm. I, that, Steve, your point in Romans 14, you know, Paul says whatever is uh, done in doubt is yeah. sin. Because yeah. then what you're saying is, yeah, I might be sinning against God, so I'll go ahead and take the but gamble. Yeah. yeah, I think, no, you, you don't want to do that. Never I good. was at peace right? Uh, because I think the person that I'm talking about, well, I know the person I'm talking about, knew, uh, I think sensibly, that he was putting me in a position I probably didn't want to be in. Right. I actually think it helped. That helps, yes. Yet knowing that he probably said, boy, Greg probably doesn't want to be doing this. Yeah. But he cares about me. Yes. It wants to be a help. And I just tend to think the gospel is seen in that. Yeah. I'm not bragging, oh, I did some great thing. Right. Spent two or three hours helping a guy move stuff. I mean, thank God for people that have helped me move stuff through the years that Christian, non-Christian, you know, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that issue of a gay wedding, I, I, I totally respect I would say I'm still rather agnostic on the issue. Yeah. Um, I, I I respect the person who says, I love the guy. I care about him. I just feel that my presence would communicate approval, mm-hmm. and I don't want to do that. I, I My conscience is bothered. I understand that. Yeah. I also understand the Christian who says, you know what? They know I don't agree, but they're asking me to be present at a very special time in their life, and they love me. And I want them to know I love them. Mm-hmm. They know I don't approve. Same, same thing. They probably know this is difficult for me right. to be here. But because I love them and they're telling me this is a special moment in my life and I love you and I want you to be present there, I understand it. Yeah. You know, so I know you. that was a neat podcast. You kind of went there with Steve yeah. uh, Altrogi. And, uh, and if I remember rightly, Nathan, he did say he could understand an argument yeah. that yep. you were making. Yep. Uh, now, I think some Christians would hear this and say, that's ridiculous. Yeah. You're compromising the gospel. You're comp- but as you said, Steve, there isn't a passage that dictates this. Right. Yeah. There isn't. So I think we, we have to give grace yeah. and freedom and, no passage, yeah. and, and just to understand. To me, I'm more concerned, give me your rationale. Yeah. And if the person's thinking about it, yeah. they're, they're, they're articulating a, a missional reason, yep. a scriptural reason. I'm like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I hear what yeah. you're thinking about. And I can understand the debate. It's a very complex issue. Yeah. Go ahead, Steve. Here's a, a parallel issue, mm-hmm. and I think it's very parallel, uh, though some of our uh, listeners might not get that immediately. Um, Debbie and I have a very good friend, very good friend. She was single. She's married now. She was single. We really love her. We love being in her life. She's an interesting, fun person, Christian, member of our church, mm-hmm. or she was part of our church, not a member, And uh, but she was single and really, really struggling with her singleness, and at some point along the line, she decided... You know, I'm just not meeting any Christian guys. I'm going to go for it and date a non-Christian guy. And she did. Mm-hmm. And they dated. And they might listen to this. I don't know. So if they do, uh-huh. you know, <laughs> that's fine because I'm telling the truth. Sure. They, they dated. They fell in love. They danced. They went to ballroom dancing classes and stuff. And, and they married. Uh-huh. Now, she's a believer. He's a non-Christian. Okay. And, and they married. So that they're going to get married. And they invited us. And we had friends who were saying, well, I'm not going to that. I'm not going to that because I can't approve of that. Well, all right, Romans 14, sure. that's you. You know, sure. you make that choice. But guess what? I'm going. And here's why I'm going. I don't fault you, but here's why I'm going. Because uh, I love her. We love her. And this is, like you said, this is a big day, a big event in her life. And I think she's making a mistake. She should not be marrying a non-Christian. Sure. But I want her to still have me in her life in the aftermath. Right. Mm-hmm. right. Right. I want to be able to speak into that and minister to her and help her in the aftermath. And when she comes to her senses and says, ah, what did I do? It was wrong. Right. I want to be there and, and be the person that mm-hmm. loved her and so she'll talk to me. Right. And you know what? I, I'm sure in another case it might not have worked. But in this case, it worked. Wow. Yeah. And wow. They, and then they married and we went for their wedding and lots of other people didn't. And that's fine. Bless them. Um, but we've stayed in their lives. My wife met with her today. Wow. And they had fellowship together. And he is at our church every Sunday. And one of our church, he's still not a Christian. Mm-hmm. One of our uh, one of our community groups at our church mm-hmm. meets in their home. He participates in, you know, providing the food for it. He participates in the discussion and so on. Wow. Yeah. He understands a lot of Christian truth. Mm-hmm. I think he's even become, and if he's listening to this, hi, buddy, I love you. Yeah. This, this is what you are. I think he's become a little hyper-Calvinistic. It's like he wants to be a Christian, but he's waiting for God to do it. Wow. Wow. <laughs> you know, God, you have to come in and save me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> wow. So uh, I'm really glad we made the decision 
to stay with her, to be in their life, to go to that wedding and show our love for them. And then they let us into their lives in the aftermath. We've been able to speak and serve and minister and yeah. be there. It's yeah. been great. Yeah. yeah. Wow, Steve. That's yeah. an incredible story. So, I, yeah. And so the parallel is, if I can do that with somebody who's marrying someone they shouldn't. This is a marriage issue. This is the yeah. sanctity of Christian marriage. She's getting unequally yoked. If I can go to her wedding, could I go to a gay wedding? Interesting. Yeah. I'm kind of like you. I, yeah. I haven't had to face it yet. No, me either. I'm a little bit uh, uncertain. Would yeah. I go? Would I not go? But at, le- at very least, I, I want to communicate this. I want to be able to say to that person, you know, you know I don't agree with this, but I want you to know there is something in me that can still be happy for you, that you're finding something that's meaningful for you and helps your life. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Does that make sense? Have it I gone does, too far? Yeah. Could you say that? Yeah, no, I, I, I yeah. could. I mean, that was um, the example that I gave with, with helping this relative move in. I I just love, love is to me, I think it was uh, Francis Schaeffer who said love is the final apologetic. Final apologetic. Yeah. Love yeah. that quote. I just think it is the, ultimately, I'm in your life. Yeah. I care about you. I love you. Yeah. And I just, you know, Jesus was in the presence of sinners. I'm not yeah. projecting what was it, friend of sinners. And I love, Steve, you told me this years ago. I think I've quoted this, Nathan. You can tell me in a sermon or two that, that you just said it so casually one day, Steve. You're like, I picture people saying, hey, hey, hey see that guy walking down the alley? That's Jesus. He's my buddy. He's my friend. Yeah. He's my friend. Yeah. yeah. I was hanging out with him yesterday. Yeah. yeah. Love that. Yeah. Me That's too. how yeah. they would have identified with him. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, they didn't no. do that if all he did was rebuke, rebuke, exactly. rebuke, and throw exactly. rocks. And, uh, he uh, hanged with them. Yeah. yeah. We know he didn't sin. Yeah. But which is an interesting thing that I do think sometimes some Christians I talk to feel like I can't be in the presence of sinners sinning. Yes. Say, oh, you can. <laughs> yeah. That doesn't you mean are. you're sinning. And you are. You always are. Because let me tell you something, dude. You're in the presence you're, of you sinning. Yes, you're in the presence of the church sinning. Every right. time we're in worship, sin, yeah, I mean, you're going to say people aren't sinning in worship? Uh, I'm yeah. sitting in worship. Yeah. Uh, I'm irritable. I'm in a bad right. mood. I didn't get a good night's sleep. When and, is Greg going to be done this bro- sermon? <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. exactly, brother. I'm probably enticing people to sin every week. Uh, yeah, it's it's just so freeing to me to think. How do we point people to Christ? Yeah. And if that's our main mission, how do we just point people to him? Yeah. And grace. We, and grace that we not need get don't need to get hung up on uh, some of these issues that could, in essence, paralyze us. And yeah. I, you've heard and me. And we're not compromising on truth or right, right. and wrong. Or yeah. yeah. Right, right. And I do think in a relationship uh, with an unbeliever, that person hopefully in that relationship knows where we do stand. Yeah. And what we do uh, uh, see and, yeah. and why we see it the way we see it. I'll say, I'll throw this out, uh, uh, Nathan. I, I didn't get into this yesterday in the message, and uh, you may have, have taken us there anyway. I'm just going to go on the record here. I hinted at it in the sermon. I said that if I weren't a believer, mm-hmm. the upbringing I had, I mentioned that my father's life anthem was Margaritaville by Jimmy Buffett. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And if you know my dad, yeah. <laughs> my dad is the most uh, type funny. B, laid back. Really? People, people love the dude. Huh. My dad is just one of the kindest, gentlest men you Sweet. can ever meet. Everybody's always loved him. And um, it, he's a very Great sensitive dad. man, wonderful father, grandfather. And, um, you know, I grew up in, at that time, where my dad was and where my family was. So things have changed. It's a story for another day an agnostic home. And I think if the Lord had not come into my life, I'm quite confident that at 44 years of age today, I would have that Jimmy Buffett, you know, Margaritaville kind of live and let live approach. Hey, they're not hurting anybody. They're not hurting me. They're not hurting my family. What people do in their, I could see myself thinking that, that my point is the only reason that I think it's wrong. Right. Is because my conscience, like Luther once said, is held captive to the word yeah. by his grace. It's not like I deducted, you know, great things one time in the Bible. I just the Holy Spirit worked in my life. Um I'm I'm watching conservative social commentators, even like Bill O'Reilly. And if you pay close attention, this is an observation I have. You're hard pressed, in my opinion, to find a reason why homosexuality is wrong apart from the revelation of the Bible. Yeah. yeah. And if you listen to people try to do it, it's hard to do. And I would just say, Mm -hmm. I understand. I I would tell a homosexual couple, I understand why you love each other. Mm -hmm. I understand that your affection for each other is genuine. I understand that. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying, oh, this is made up. 
Yeah. This is Satan at work. I understand, yeah. I think, uh, to the best of my ability, those things. I look at this word. I look at this Bible. I look at this. I trust that this is God's perspective. And he says this. I don't necessarily have to. Well, I know I don't have to defend God. Right. Uh, why he says what he does. Um, I trust that what he says is true. I know God loves homosexuals. Mm -hmm. uh, so I know that when he gives us his perspective on the purity of human sexuality, I can trust it. So I, I think you're hard pressed and maybe I'm wrong. I'd invite other thoughts on this. What other argument would a say social conservative commentator who's not a Christian have yeah. to condemn homosexuality? Have you guys ever had that thought? Yeah. I think what they use is uh, they just say it's not traditional. Right. Here, you know, centuries and nations and cultures and yeah. peoples. This is the traditional view of marriage, so don't change the traditional view. But what you know, they're standing on flimsy I, ground there. I would agree because I think that's how um, homosexual advocacy has in many ways advanced its concerns mm -hmm. and its agenda because they have tied it in, and I don't personally think this is really right, to a civil rights argument. Yeah. The argument is you don't want to be on the wrong side of history. Yeah. You yeah. don't want to be those guys in the 50s and 60s saying segregation now, segregation forever. Yes. This is the same issue. Now, we would say, no, we don't think it's the same issue. Not the same right. issue. Yeah. Um, and I think that if you don't have the word, if you don't have Christ, if you don't have a trust that what he, God is saying right. is loving, is intended for the good of the human race, for the protection of people, uh, you're hard-pressed to make an argument. So I, I sometimes sit back and think, I understand why non-believers don't have an issue with this. Yeah, sure. And I, Absolutely. I, I don't I think we lose anything by saying that. Yeah. Oh, no, I understand why you don't have an issue. And ultimately, it takes me back to Scripture. But when I get to Scripture, I can get to Christ. Yes, yeah, that's yeah. what we Scripture's the dividing line on this. You yeah. guys know who Rob Bell is, right? Oh, sure. Oh, yes. Former pastor of the Mars Hill Church, not the one where Mark Driscoll was. No, right, right, right. Mars right, Hill yeah. Church in Michigan. And, uh, he's he's Nathan Bell's brother. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, remember we discovered my middle name is Robert. It is. Yeah, oh, yeah. No. yeah. We, we're going to start calling him, dude, N. Rob Bell. Rob Bell. Uh -huh. Just so, to get, just to bring in more listeners. That's right. <laughs> so you guys know he has a friendship with Oprah. He's on the Oprah yes. Network, and she, yes. in, when yep. she still had her show, she interviewed him, and he. This is just about a quote. I'm very close. He said something about you know he he came out in favor of allowing. He came out in favor of homosexuality. It's not a sin. It's not a problem. Mm -hmm. We should all allow it. Right. Um, and he said, when the church goes on quoting 2,000-year-old letters, the church is going to become more and more irrelevant. Mm -hmm. hmm. Well, you know what? Those 2,000-year-old letters are scripture. They're God's word. Yeah. Right. We're going to go on quoting those. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. we got to part ways with guys like Rob Bell. Yeah, uh, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna go with scripture. Yeah, yeah, and that Steve is a real concern yeah. uh, that I raised. Uh, we had a young man, Russ Fisher, who's one of our guys at CFC. Mm -hmm. He's now at Covenant Seminary, um, and he was here yesterday because he was in town for a wedding. He and his his uh, wife, uh, and um, just looking out at him while I was preaching this sermon, I thought, here's a young guy, mid twenties. I I am hopeful that the, the men that are going to be leaders 10, 15 years from now in the church uh, will be fiercely compassionate, fiercely loving, winsome, and engaging people in the homosexual community, but would be faithful to the <laughs> teaching of Scripture. Scripture. Yeah, man, yeah. stay there. And where Rob Bell, I understand uh, his, you know, I'd say Rob Bell is a brilliant person. Yeah. I think he, he initially had a tremendous heart to reach the unreached. Interesting personality. Is. I think he gave away the farm. Yeah, uh, I, I think right. sometimes there's a sense in which on, you on several points. Yeah, I mean, you give away so much, you've got nothing left. Right? Yeah, yeah right. you you you've so it goes to hell. Yes, yes, you, nothing's you, wrong. You've painted yourself into a corner. You've ingratiated yourself with with different groups, and you could say, "Well, I've become their friend, but I, I really don't have anything to give yeah, them anymore." Right. Yeah, you know, which I think is the bell mistake. Yeah. That what is that line of biblical fidelity, yeah. but? Fierce love, compassion. Yeah. Our mistake is the opposite mistake, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. We have lots to give, but there's no love. So there's no love, it. and they don't yeah. want it. Uh -huh. They don't want it. Yeah. 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 Big problem. Um, just real quick, we're we're winding down on time here, but um, you know, uh, Steve, going back um, to what you were saying, just about you know showing um, that that change in history. I see a positive movement in, in Christian history now where it's been so many years of, of other religions being accepted that genuine Christians can have genuine relationships. And they're not even thinking about the whole idea of these other religions. 
and and in some ways I almost see this as a positive in that regard that it will become socially acceptable to the point where we get beyond it as Chris, as the Christian and community and we can engage them. Yeah. And yeah. we can really, you know, just we can genuinely start to have Christian relationships because I think you know, you were saying, you know, that, yeah, I, I mean, the three of us, we can sit here and identify people that we know who are homosexuals. Mm-hmm. But I, I think I think it's still difficult for Christians to point and say, yeah, I, I actually have a circle of friends who are homosexuals yeah. and, and they just don't interact with them or they, they're not aware of it. And so they don't interact with them or they just avoid them. Yeah. And so I think this will bring up, I hope an opportunity where the gospel can pre- be presented, where these walls will be torn down and we can get about the business of sharing Jesus with people Amen. to have, them. Do I have any time to give an yeah, example? Yeah, go ahead. So, so we have, let me be uh, appropriately vague, we have, <laughs> we have uh, extended family yeah. where there's a, a gay couple, uh-huh. females, lesbian couple, and um, they fell on hard times and came into great financial need. Mm-hmm. But we're in their lives very closely, and we love them, and we know them, and uh, we actually we supported them financially for mm-hmm. many months because we wanted them well because we cared about them, sure, yeah. and we wanted them to know Christians do this kind of thing. Yeah, here's what you could expect from Christians, and they know it's the same thing. You, you guys know what we believe. Right. We're evangelical Christians. I'm an evangelical pastor. You know what we believe on this issue, but we love you. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. that must have confused them and tweaked their <laughs> yeah. brains, you know, yeah. love it. them. Love but, it. Uh, but we'll do that. And, uh, you know, we'll call, we'll talk with them, we'll interact with them. Uh, there are family things that go on. We're there with them. I love it being that way. Yeah. Yeah. Good I love gospel too. opportunities. Absolutely. I, uh, if I can, can I yep. put a, a super quick one in too, Nathan? Um, is probably some of our listeners have heard this. I want to give all my caveats up front. I think I saw you respond to somebody that asked you this, Steve, on Facebook recently about Tony Campolo. I, huh. I don't look to Tony Campolo as a guy that I would, I would say uh, lines up with me theologically. Mm-hmm. I think again, he similar to Rob Bell in some respects has given away the farm. I'm not saying he's not a believer. Sure, I, I want to be very careful yes. on that. I. Um, in the early 90s, I saw a video of Campolo with – and I actually watched this with my father at that time. And he was deeply moved. And he, you may have heard this. He tells the story. This was 20, 25 years ago. And I thought it was um, just a, a tremendous story. It, gosh, if I start crying, forgive me. But he uh, was – I've in, never seen you cry. Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> imagine I, yeah, there's nothing uglier, Lisa says, than my cry face. <laughs> And thankfully, this is only audio. <laughs> Let me turn my camera yeah. on. Here. <laughs> but uh, he shares a story. He's in this uh, diner in Hawaii because he's gone to do some speaking there, and um, you know his internal clock is all messed up with the time travel. You know the time travel, the the uh, whatever you would call <laughs> it, the time, time, time zone changes. <laughs> Four o'clock in the morning, he's wide awake. He he goes to a greasy spoon diner just to get a cup of coffee and something to eat. And uh, he's there, and he realizes he's there for a couple of nights, and he's kind of seen this regular crowd, number of prostitutes that kind of come at the end of their shift, and they hmm. talk and smoke wow. cigarettes and drink coffee. Wow. The guy behind the uh, the counter, you know, like Mel on the old TV yeah. show Alice, yeah. you know, just the gruff guy. And he uh, is there a few nights, so he starts actually engaging them in conversation. The one girl is uh, is a prostitute, obviously, and she mentioned something, oh, tomorrow's my birthday. And the other prostitutes, oh, who cares? Oh, your birthday, big deal. She leaves kind of sheepishly, and Campolo gets this idea. He talks to the prostitutes. He talks to the guy behind the counter and says, hey, can I just suggest something? Why don't we throw her a birthday party tomorrow night this time? And they're like, oh, that's ridiculous. But as he starts painting it, they start getting into it. Well, you know, my girlfriend down the road, she does work like in a party shop. I could get some balloons, and I could, you know, get a cake and this sort of thing. So they put together, Campbell working with this, you know, sort of short order cook, prostitutes, I'm throwing a birthday party for this other prostitute. And uh, it's a beautiful story. They get her a little cake with her name on it. She comes in the next night. She is just tear, her eyes tear up. And she says, could I, uh, could I show this cake to my mother? Oh. And she leaves with the cake. She co- oh. She's going to come back goes just to say, oh, they, they gave me a cake. And everybody seems kind of stunned by this. And the short order cook guy says, man, are you a preacher or something? And he said, I am. And he goes, what kind of church you go to? 
And I will say in that segment, he had a great answer. He goes, I go to the kind of church that throws birthday parties for whores at four o'clock in the morning. And the guy says, well, I'd go to that church, you know? And I think, wow. Hmm. I mean, I see that kind of engagement with people, loving people that are what many would consider the dregs of society. Just the most authentic Christ-like approach. I knew a woman at my former church, a woman named Lori, who um, kind of developed a similar ministry with hookers in uh, Southwest Baltimore. Hmm. Uh, one in particular that she got to know, and she took her to uh, get her nails done, to get her hair done. I, I don't know. She would take her to Dunkin' Donuts, mm-hmm. buy her breakfast, Love give people. her a call. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I mean. Yeah. That's the kind of opportunity the church has, yeah. You know, to serve people, to be free, to get in people's lives and share the gospel with them, yeah. and it's inspiring. Hmm. Well, guys, this has been um, this has been so great. Thank you so much yeah. uh, for joining you, us, guys. Steve. It's uh, it's been a pleasure. Being the courageous man that I am, may uh, I say I'm going to turn off my uh, computer and my phone <laughs> all day tomorrow. Yeah, or whenever this. Air- <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. uh see ya. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's it's been great though and and uh such a good conversation too. I you know, um really we just we want to encourage you, you know, and and it doesn't matter gay, straight, bi, up, down, sideways, w- whatever the case may be, you know, heroin addict, prostitute. We are to show the love of Christ. And these are the Amen, people brother. when Christ was here on earth, he hung around he with. Loved. Yeah. And and he did, you know, uh we said it earlier, you know, these are the people that called you know, Christ, their friend. Yeah. Um, so, you know, if there's any encouragement, let's just get out there and be a friend yeah. to these people. Love it. Yeah. Um, so we're going to go ahead and sign off now. Guys, we just rocked the Casbah. Rocked! These guys are 11.